welcome to the Wellness Pie Shop, where each episode we delve into a different slice of wellness in hopes of nourishing ourselves. With the help of special guests and a little of our own irreverent insight, we'll dive into some of the ingredients that make up the whole of Wellness Pie. We're your hosts, Dina Searden. And I'm Rachel Paez. Thanks for joining us. Now grab a cup of tea, sit back and relax, and enjoy a piece of Wellness Pie. On today's podcast, we are so lucky to have Jessica Merritt with the Special Liberty Project calling in from Franklin, North Carolina. And we're so happy to have you on today's podcast, Jessica. And with that, I'll turn it over to you and let you tell our listeners a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Thank you, Rachel. It is so wonderful to be here with you and see your beautiful face and hear your voice. Um, As you said, my name's Jessica, and I used to live in San Diego for um, about 20 years. Um, My husband just retired from the military, and we relocated not only our family, but our headquarters of the Special Liberty Project to uh, here in Franklin, North Carolina. Let's see. What, what kind of history do you want to know? I went to the University of Arizona way back in the day and landed a career as a financial advisor and quickly got pregnant with twins and decided that my husband was about to deploy and decided that I was not going to be able to live with twin babies and a deployed husband. So I decided to stay home and raise my children and be a supportive military spouse. And until they were, they were about five. Um, So it was about five years ago, they're 10 now when we started the Special Liberty Project. And I finally actually had a little bit of time to dedicate to something other than raising babies. (laughs) So. And can you tell us a little bit about the Special Liberty Project? Yes. So the Special Liberty Project was started in 2016 out in San Diego because my husband had the opportunity to support a wounded warrior dove hunt. Um, We've we've had lots of opportunities to support other veteran-based organizations uh, just because it's what he likes to do is get outside with these guys outdoors and um, find a, a healing aspect with it. And we quickly realized that A lot of the organizations were very large and it was more of a party type event than a specialized meaningful event. So uh, I actually got a phone call from, um, I got a phone call from one of the spouses of one of the gentlemen who he was out hunting with. And she was just over the moon thankful for what we were doing for her husband because he finally had the opportunity to express everything that he was going through to somebody else who understood. So he could talk till he's blue in the face to his spouse, but she really didn't understand. So just having that opportunity to be outside in nature under the stars and around a campfire to really talk about and, and get things off your chest. You know, sometimes all they really just need is to talk. So um, she said that he was having dark suicidal thoughts again, and their marriage was on the rocks. And it was just a, a really rough time. And that short little 
outdoor experience really had the opportunity to, to change his life and their life together. So I quickly realized that it wasn't just the service member that we were serving. It was the entire family. And uh, my husband and I are not independently wealthy. So we decided to go ahead and form our own nonprofit and give back to this group that meant so much to us. So, and I mentioned earlier that my husband, Corey, just retired from the military and his outlook on the wounded warriors and PTSD five years ago was really that he wanted to give back to people who had done more than him, who had given more than him. And through this nonprofit and the community that we're now involved in, he's realized that he also has given as much as them in a different way. And it's just really wonderful to be able to, to see now that he's retired, that come full circle. We started by serving combat wounded veterans on hunting adventures out in San Diego. Our goal was to have four events our first year, and we ended up having 12. And we quickly realized that it wasn't the physical wounds of war that we were healing. It was the mental and emotional wounds that, that we were really impacting. And we ran the organization for a couple of years. Everything was great. And then my husband deployed twice in one year and I kept it going. And my twins, Wesley and Charlotte come to all of our events and they help me cook and clean and prep and whatever I need. And, um, we were up in the mountains on a turkey hunt and I had 11 veterans on a, on a hunt that weekend. And I couldn't help but notice how Wesley and Charlotte were just naturally gravitated towards this group of veterans that we were serving because they reminded them of their daddy that wasn't with them at the time. So that event was really great. Everybody went home. Um, you know, we, we taught everybody how to process their birds and sent home recipes and the whole bit. And I, I went to bed feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, I did it without my husband. This was great. And uh, I remember vividly waking up at two o'clock in the morning and sitting straight up in, the, in my bed, like, oh my gosh, my kids need something more in their life than what mom and m- mom can provide while dad's gone for just a few short months. What about these gold star kids that are never going to have that military homecoming? They're never going to have that, that male aspect in their life again. So the next day I started kind of brainstorming what a mentorship program would look like between the veterans that we serve on the veteran outdoor experience side and kids who've lost their fathers in the military, which are called gold star kids. And so we started forming mentoring events in California where the kids basically are taught how to do lots of different activities that would traditionally be done with their father. So we do fishing, hiking, hunting. They learn how to use woodworking tools, like, uh, like that traditional garage time that you would have with your dad. Um, and then it went so well in California that I had a friend in Arizona reach out and say, Oh my gosh, I love what you're doing. Is there any way that we can have something like this here in Arizona? So we started a chapter in Southern Arizona and we're now serving gold star families and veterans all across, uh, Southern California and Arizona. And during those mentoring events, I always pulled all the widows aside and did something special for them while their kids were out with their mentors. So we did um, 
like we made little terrariums or some, some type of craft situation just to kind of keep their hands busy. Because I know that when you're busy doing something around a table, you're, you just talk and share and you naturally form that camaraderie and sense of community. And because I was the one leading the activity, I noticed firsthand the inspiration and connection that was happening at that table. I was like, gosh, this needs to be bigger. This needs to be better. So I started hosting three-day retreats just for Gold Star Widows. And it was phenomenal. The just, we really focus on three things with our retreats, bringing them together in nature. So something physical outdoors, whether that be yoga, equine activities, hiking. Uh, We've got tons of, lots of things in Southern California and here in North Carolina, where there's kayaking, rock climbing, just something that empowers them outside. Um, And then we have the emotional aspect where we focus on meditation or mindfulness, journaling, tapping, just another tool in their self tool toolbox uh, that they can turn to if they're struggling. And then we also focus on something uh, that where they actually learn a new skill. So we, I always use the, so the the third aspect is learning a new skill, whether that be pottery, sewing, I teach cheese making classes and soap making classes, like lost life skills, homesteading skills type of thing. Um, And I always like to use the example of the alpaca farm that we visited with Rachel um, up in Ramona where the ladies learned how to harvest the fiber from the animal, clean it, spin it, and then were taught how to knit. And they were also given the knitting tools with spools of alpaca thread to take home. And two of the ladies from that event had actually reached out to me after the effect and said, gosh, you know what, when I'm stressed out, I turn to my knitting needles and I can sit down and I'm mindful and focused and it's wonderful. And I was like, ah, that's, that's, and that's so great because they never would have even thought about picking up knitting needles, you know? (laughs) So anyway, that was a long winded of where we are, but, uh, because, because of COVID really is why we're here in North Carolina when California shut down and I wasn't allowed to host any in-person events, I wasn't just going to sit there. (laughs) So we knew that we weren't going to stay in California forever. Once Corey, my husband retired. So we decided to start looking and we found this beautiful farm online while we were still living happily in California and decided to go ahead and make the move. So I loaded the kids up in the truck and drove across the country and bought the farm. And our goal and hope was to have my husband come out every month and see his property and help with the numerous projects that we've got going on. But due to COVID, he wasn't allowed to leave more than 300 miles from his base. So I've been out here on my own trying to reestablish our headquarters, homeschool the kids, uh, build up a farm and build a retreat center and remodel a house that uh, unfortunately had a lot of issues that we were not told about. (laughs) So um, So it sounds like you're a true pioneer woman is what's (laughs) happening right now. Superwoman for sure. (laughs) Uh, I, I won't lie and say that it was all smooth. Um, but when you dig in your deepest moments and, and actually have the struggles and the realization like, Oh shoot, I can't do it all. Um, you turn to your tools, you know? And, and I was, it really 
forced me to practice what I preach because I wasn't for a little while. I was just taking on everything all at once. And it felt like a fire hose was just pushing me over some days. So I decided that I turned to yoga and hiking, which I did in California all the time, but moving out here didn't feel like there was enough time to a lot for myself in addition for the kids and everything else. Um, but I made it a priority and I just did it every day. And then whatever the world brought my way that day, it was, it was okay and more manageable. So I think you segued into a really, I mean, I know you and I know a lot about you and I'm just so excited for everybody else to know your secrets because <laughs> uh, you are capable of doing things and managing things and you do it with a smile, all that I see you. And um, <laughs> I'm really interested to know what brought you value-wise to be such a how do I put this? Like such a service member to the community. What values drove you to this life? So I I did put some time and thought into the values and my personal values are really in alignment with the Special Liberty Project's values as well, naturally. But I have kind of six core values that I would say I am mindful about um, on a daily basis. One of them is compassion and nurturing. I, I love taking care of people, whether that's cooking three meals a day for my family or, you know, lending an ear to talk to somebody or, or just trying to put myself in one's shoes when they're struggling or when I don't understand what's going on. I really do try and pretend like I'm that person. So compassion is one. Um, determination um, as you heard from my story, moving across here by my, my pioneer woman's story. Um, up on the mountain by myself with the kids with <laughs> bears and snakes and God knows what else uh, you just do it, you know, and I think that's, that's every military spouse has to have some determination because it just goes along with the territory community and service is another one of my values. I really thrive on community. I don't need to have 500 friends but I want to have a handful of good close friends who can count on me. And I know that I can count on as well, um, which is why I loved Ramona so much because I had that beautiful community there and I'm quickly gaining it here, which is so fabulous. Another value is happiness. I'm a very happy person. Um, I really don't like not being happy <laughs> and try to try to figure out a way to get past whatever's not making me happy very quickly because I, I just, I'm just happy. I don't like to be a grouch. Love. There's lots of love for many, many people and many things. Like I obviously love my family and my friends, but I also love our mother earth a whole lot and just exuberant love. And, um, my last value that I would say is optimism, which I'm an overly optimistic person. (laughs) You move across the country and just know it's going to, it's all going to work out. So my husband actually uh, tells me all the time that I live in Jessica land because everything's just happy and goes well. Like, you know, it's just, we need people like that in the world though. (laughs) We need people like that. Yes. I mean, it, it kicks me in the butt every once in a while when I'm like, Oh, let's do this. Let's do this. And everything's good. And everything, and then something doesn't work out. And I'm like, ah, darn, you know, <laughs> but 
but I don't get too crushed and just try and be happy and move on. So those are my, my personal core values. And I believe that every single one of those uh, really transitions and relates really well to the organization that I'm running as well. It's interesting to hear you talking about your values. Um, this is, I think, our 12th episode, and there's a running theme, um, kindness, compassion, community. I love that you threw in determination. Me too. Because I believe that some of our other guests have had that uh, value and never named it. I agree. I agree. I didn't even think about it. The moment you said it, I was like, oh, wait, that's a really good value. (laughs) Yeah. And so I just, I have a huge appreciation for that. And your story is amazing. And I love the optimism. And uh, I, I said last week to our guest, I wish that she could bottle her kindness and compassion. If you could just bottle the optimism and the determination Oh, and then we'll have that, we'll sell that alongside of the kindness and compassion. I mean, we're going to take over the world. We'll make so much money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so much money. Just bottle that happiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the term determination is all driven by the kindness and the love, you know, and the compassion that I have. So it's like, gosh, we're going to make this work. Damn it. <laughs> you know? Well, and, and your optimism, right? spirit too. Right. Yeah. I mean, because without optimism, determination, it's just like, what are you determined to do? Well, I'm determined to fail. You know, I mean, that's. Right. <laughs> well, I think too, which what I know about you is your determination to provide space of loving compassion is like you said, a core value of yours. It's like, when I think of determination for myself, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm determined to usually it's like, I'm determined not to do something. That's usually what in my head determination is. And I look at They might call that rebellion. Yes. Um, They definitely call that rebellion. Um, I call it determination. It's right in a rebel's farm. You're right there. We are determined. Um, I think it's so, you know, I, I just, oh, when I think of determination, right. I think about how I'm usually determined in my stubbornness and you're the same way. You're very determined in your stubbornness, but your stubbornness is this, I'm going to provide a space of love and compassion. I am going to, you know, especially with a lot of the service members that you do work with, right. And some of their, their limitations, you don't let that stop you into being able to provide that space. And you said, right, your values align very much with Special Liberty Project. And I guess this whole spiel is me just telling you is like, I know firsthand that is so true. And you live this life that is only based in your values. And that's why I'm just, I'm so happy you're on this podcast because I know that you're mm-hmm. an authentic speaker and you, I, you say you did not live what you preached but I also know that you have relatively high expectations for yourself and you do live what you preach on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> and I know it also by your kids. You have like, you're it, it, I'm bleeding into a question that I was going to ask you, which is do your values come from your parents? Did your parents kind of live a similar life and that's kind of where you learned these or I know you mentioned the military taught you some so my parents no (laughs) my mom is a very 
kind and compassionate woman, but she was not very nurturing. My parents got divorced when I was seven and she worked like three jobs and I saw my dad every couple of weekends. So it wasn't. And when I saw him, we went to the movies and had dinner, you know, it wasn't, wasn't like a parental relationship really. I mean, I love my dad now and I'm only a few hours away from him. So it's great. And we have a a great adult relationship, but I mean, it was, it wasn't really a father daughter thing, um, earlier, I guess. Um, and then my mom is a very kind person. She was just very, very busy. And I think that I took the fact that I didn't get a lot of time with my mom into how I'm raising my children and running my family because I intentionally spend time with my kids and I intentionally want to do things that I want to do and not work myself to death. So, I mean, we, I homeschool our kids. We are together 24 hours a day, but the beauty of that is the flexibility. And I've designed our schedule in our life to not be tied to a watch. We'll go hiking for an hour and a half and not, not worry about it. I mean, there are days when I obviously have long <laughs> work days and computer and stuff like that. Not every day is la di da, but, um, I really have designed it to where, you know, my work is part of my life. Like when, what we're building here at our farm for the retreat center is going to allow me to do what I want to do that I know is helpful for me and help others by doing that. You know, I can take them on the hikes up the mountain and I can teach them how to make cheese from milk that we just milked. And it's just such a cool experience knowing how to be self-sustaining and that brings happiness as well. And, and that teaching aspect and just living a, a good life. It's something that I get to share you know, when we had our homestead back in California and I had the gardens and the animals and and then my husband would leave. And that's what the kids and I turned to was loving the animals, caring for the earth and growing our own food. And it just really helped me so much personally. And I felt like we had such a good life. And when we started the special Liberty project, I was like, gosh, I want, I want to share this, but it was just enough for our family. So my dream was to have enough property to where we could have everything we had there times a thousand and be able to invite families to come and stay and experience the, the farmstead lifestyle and the nature aspect of everything. And, and we're, we're building the dream. (laughs) We actually are building a nature-based wellness center for lack of a better term, glamping. I just actually ordered the tents a few days ago and they were in the driveway today. So, uh, we get to, to set them up, but it's, it's going to be a nature-based retreat center where they, all of the guests will stay in canvas tents that are fully furnished and they'll have electricity and it'll be a really wonderful space, but they're still outside. And I just wanted to provide a safe haven bedroom because really I want them to be out together outside in their workshops or hiking or just enjoying the property. So it's, uh, it's, it's very exciting, very exciting time for us. Busy, but exciting. That is very exciting and very fun. And I just kind of wanted to go back a little bit. Rachel asked, you know, if you felt like you got your values from your parents and you Mm -hmm. said yes and no. 
right? Right. I'm just wondering, because it does sound very different than the way you were raised, you know, your, your parents were divorced. You did not speak to whether or not, you know, you did uh, camping and hiking and kind of outdoorsy mother nature kinds of things with your, either of your parents. It sounds like probably not. Um, no, not really. <laughs> yeah. So when did you first begin to understand that this was who you are, that your values, that these were your values and you needed to pursue them and to have that be an integral part of who you are? I have always been a big nature lover and, uh, my uncle in Arizona, I went to the university of Arizona and my uncle had a lot of inspiration with the nature aspect and the outdoor aspect in my life. Um, but after leaving Arizona and continuing on to San Diego, I still kept that, that love for hiking and camping and, and everything, but it wasn't a, a driving focus in my life. I, I would say it wasn't until I really had the kids and realized, Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm, this isn't about me anymore. I, I need to figure out like step it up a notch, you know, like learn what's in our food and learn how to better take care of myself because I need to take care of the children, you know, if, and it just, it wasn't really until I had kids to be is the answer. That's, that's so interesting because I, I, I completely understand that I have twins as well. And, uh, but they're only seven and, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And a nine-year-old. So I, I get that whole, you know, we, we change and we shift our priorities. And it's interesting that you incorporated new values at that time. Cause I know that Rachel had said she had these three core values. And then she had this fourth that was sort of hanging out there, sort of maybe waiting for her to become a parent. And so I, I guess I'm just sort of waxing philosophical here and thinking, how interesting it is that, you know, that's what developed when your children were born. I don't really have a point there. No, I kind of like that, it though. But I kind of like it though. <laughs> I'm sure no, I was going I, somewhere. But... I, I think you're, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. I had to really grow up because before I had kids, I was just like, let's go have happy hour. Let's ride our bikes down to the beach, you know? And, it, and, and I didn't really... I didn't ever really focus on what my values as a person were because I was just like loving my husband and just, just having fun and enjoying, enjoying life. And I guess it wasn't really until I had kids that I did some self-reflection and sat down and was like, Hey, you know, this is, this is what my life needs. This is what my family needs. Because before then it was just all fun. (laughs) And it's fun now. It's just in a different way. (laughs) Do you think you were aware of even having values prior to your children being born? No, not, not. I mean, I uh, was very quick to answer that. I, no kitty. (laughs) (laughs) I, I had them. I just wasn't prepared or mature enough to realize that I had them. Mm -hmm. Because And um, I, I had to grow up very quickly when I had the kids because it went from two adults being together to one adult taking care of two babies. And I mean, like totally flipped, turned upside down, right? Like my husband left for seven months when the twins were six months old and then he came home for four months and then he left again for another seven months. So the, the first two years of their life was just like, holy mackerel. <laughs> I don't know how you did that. So, that's, that's when, really when he impressive. got home from that second deployment after they were born, 
we decided that we had outgrown the condo that we were in and wanted to buy land because at that point we were like, we can't live on this patio and this concrete jungle and, and just that togetherness and, and yearn for nature because I didn't go, I didn't take the babies hiking, you know, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I went for a walk with the stroller as much as I could, but yeah, it was really when, when we had that family reconnection and discovery as two adult parents was when that all kind of came together and the communication with that too. I mean, that's what we, that's that point. That was a pivotal time in our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked that because I know that this whole podcast came about because someone asked me not too many months ago, what my values are. And it was really, uh, I didn't know. And it's not that I don't think I have values or had prior, but I just didn't, it just wasn't in the forefront of my mind, forefront of my mind. So um, even though I had, I I even had kids. So it's just, it's always interesting to me how people, how aware people are at what point in their lives. And maybe they always grew up knowing that these are my values. Maybe they're 58 years old like me and, you know, have a realization that, oh my God, you know, I'm not just wandering through life aimlessly. I actually have purpose. So, well, and I think that it takes in the intentional aspect of a parent or, or an adult mentor, it doesn't have to be a parent, you know, like that's, that's why I love homeschooling the kids so much because I, I can guide them to be good people and I can, I can guide them to have these conversations. Like they don't talk about this stuff in school, you know, and, and, I'm so, how do I say this? Not, not normal in society. Like I'm, I'm kind of a weirdo, <laughs> you know, like my kids don't eat sugar and, you know, we, we make kale chips and, you know, like I, I try to, to really bring a nutrition aspect into our lives because that's, if you can't take care of yourself and, and your body, you just don't want to do anything. So, well, I, the intentional factor, the intent. Yes. I was just going to say that I think it's really interesting talking to you. So, right. You said, no, you didn't really learn your values from your parents. And then you didn't really learn them until you had kids or you were not able to identify them as values until you had kids. And I would put my life on it that if Charlie or Wesley were on this podcast, they would be able to identify their values hands down at 10 years old, Hmm. because that's how you have raised them. That's how you've lived as a mother and a role model to your children is I, without a doubt would put my life on it, that they would know how to identify their values. And I think that's so cool. I think that's so cool. That's what I want. (laughs) And now you've just challenged me to go have a conversation (laughs) with my kids and talk about values. I think that's important. I think that is important. And I think that I, from my generation's perspective, right? My parents never talked to me about their values. And I think if you ask most 27 year olds, they wouldn't be able to identify their values. And so I think that if we can start having these conversations with the younger generation, we're going to have a generation that's coming up more aligned with how they want to live their value-based life, you know? Cause I think it's a, it's a weird conversation to have. And I think if you can start having it earlier, you're going to just, we're just going to pump out kids that 
are more assured of who they are and how they want to live and show up in the world. I would like to say a caveat to um, a caveat to that would be actually having a conversation with your child rather than telling them what their values are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because as we know, I think there are parents who would argue that they don't have conversations about values with their children because they talk about religion and what that religion teaches us about what values should be. Yeah. Right. And so to have an honest, open conversation and allow our children the room to have their own opinion and their own values, I think is imperative. Yep. But anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jesse. Go ahead. (laughs) No, no, that's okay. I was going to say that rolls into what we do here too, with our retreats and our workshops and the gold star kids program, you know, I, and I hadn't really thought about it, but maybe that goes back to the aspect of, you know, I, my mom was a single mom. She was always busy. And I see a lot of these widows that we serve they're single parents and they're working and working and working. And they're always busy just trying to strive and do the best they can for their kids and having that nature escape for their kids and watching them do something productive with their mentors is just amazing. I mean, they're, most of them are in tears by the end of the day, just, just watching how wonderful things are, you know, it's, it's, it comes full circle and, and allowing them that space because sometimes they don't have it. What a gift to you and what a gift to them. She does really cool work. Yeah. I want to come. I want to come play. <laughs> yeah. Come glamping with us. <laughs> I'm there already. I have another um, question that I have this like really good image of you of like kind of young Jessica. And then there's a brief stint of like college Jessica before you become a parent. And I'm curious to know if you found when you were that age of like, we're going to call it growing up or like becoming an adult. Was there a time where you felt conflicted with how you wanted to present yourself in the world versus what society was kind of telling you how to present in the world? And how did you manage to choose yourself? So I moved to California, to Southern California at a time when I was maturing, like my frontal lobe was finally able to process information and make core decisions, you know, (laughs) and, uh, the glitz and glam and plastic that California is definitely that society was pushed into me and onto me, um, quite a bit with the, with the groups that we were, um, introduced to, I guess. And, I knew that it wasn't what I wanted, but it was definitely here, here we are type of thing. And, uh, it wasn't until we moved up to the mountains or had the desire to move to the mountains and really kind of clicked and figured things out that I felt like I found more of my people (laughs) because my people are not in Southern California (laughs) in general, um, down in the, in the city. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just every city and maybe, and maybe I just don't fit in with society. I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, I like to be who I am and, um, and have that space and, and do things more naturally, I guess you could say. And it just wasn't really part of my twenties. I got married. We got married when we were 25 and had the twins at 28. And, you know, we gave ourselves that time to have fun and 
be free and, and do all the, the things um, and then grow up and kind of get our heads put on straight, I guess. <laughs> so how did it feel for you to be confronted with, you know, the plastic and this sort of the glamour and glitz of whatever of uh, Southern California? How, what, what was your emotional state at that time? Um, at that time, I, I guess I really didn't think about it because it was just life and that's where I was. And, and in my younger days, I, it wasn't as big of a deal to me. I knew that it wasn't what, who I was or what I wanted to be, but it was just me and I didn't care. Um, but when I had the kids, it was like, gosh, I don't want to raise my kids here. (laughs) I don't want them around that. And I don't want that influence. And, and now if I were to step into San Diego and live in the places where I lived in my twenties, I would not be happy. I, I, and it just, I mean, but you change, right. 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 Or, or or maybe you just realize things, (laughs) which is a question I ask people, which is do your values change? I, I, and I don't know that I can even honestly answer that question because I didn't know I never stopped to reflect on what my values were in my twenties, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, and I can without a doubt say that, Hey, those six things that I told you earlier, those are my values. That's who I am along with a lot, a mix of a lot of other things too. Um, but I, I don't know that they've changed. I think my realization and maturity has changed and maybe yeah. more fully grown into them rather mm-hmm. than ha- actually having changed them. Well, and acceptance too, you know, I don't think that I put a lot of time and focus on what I wanted to do or who I was, you know, like I said, I was just wide open spaces, you know, (laughs) let's just, let's just go and be free. I mean, that was my graduation song that my mom played was just packing her bags and going to move out West for wide open spaces and just, just go have fun and do your thing. And and I'm glad I did. I just like, I, you're so, (laughs) you illuminate a conversation. You're just so positive and giggly. And I just like, I just love talking to you because I get so happy when I talk to you (laughs) and I talk to you often. So it's always, it's always nice. Um, I'm, I am curious because you're a superwoman and you just wear so many hats, hold so many plates, serve so many people. How do you, how do you keep yourself filled? Like what is your secret ingredient to your pie that keeps your crust together, your entire pie together? How do you keep your entire pie together? I, because I was out here for seven months on my own, trying to do all this, it really helped me hone in on what I needed and the fact that I needed to fill my cup first. Um, So I do yoga, even if it's 15 minutes a day, I have to have that time just to stretch and be by, by myself and light a candle and look at the sunrise. And, um, and then I go feed the horses and I hike a couple miles in the woods and I'm home sometimes before the kids get up and just get it going. I, I get up early. I, I'm a, definitely a morning person. And if I sleep in or if I don't get my yoga in, or if I, if it's raining or it's too cold to hike, or I'm, noticeably different. (laughs) I'm not as happy. And I also 
am a list person. I make a list the night before of everything that I need to get done the next day. Uh, and it helps me have a plan because if there's no organized structure or plan, then it feels overwhelming. So I definitely, I have a list of everything that I need to do for the farm. I have a list of all of the homeschool stuff that I need to take care of. And I have usually a a very long list of work stuff that I need to take care of. And I set my office hours so that the kids know that they can't bother mom. And I, and I'm mindful when I'm sitting there doing school with the kids and they know that I'm not going to work. So organization and me time, I guess, are my, my two big tops too. I love that you said organization because you, you are this free person, like that is who you are. And you, and you saying organization is how you obtain that, I think is a really key ingredient because if you don't time management, you don't organize yourself, you don't plan ahead, you're just doing yourself a disservice to be able to have Mm -hmm. that space and time for yourself. And so I love that you said, well, and also part of the organization is organizing free time as well. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I don't, if I, if I'm not organized, I feel like I've got to work 24 hours a day to catch up. And if I know, oh no, this, there's an hour allotted for this task tomorrow, I'm good to go. Then my mind can be at ease. I love that you're so organized and that is how you achieve your freedom. I just listening to you talking about all the lists, I'm like, (laughs) 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 I'm feeling so overwhelmed um, because I'm certainly, I want to do lists. I think it's a great idea and I try to do lists and I lose them, right? Or I misplace them (laughs) or yeah, Um, I'm going to have a, oh my gosh, even, even (coughs) with the kids. So they know that they have to, they get up and I have their list prepared for everything that they need to do for the day. You know, and if I, if it's not on the table where they're expecting it, then they, they're like, mom, where's my list? Where's my list? But I have all their chores written out. I mean, from, from the first thing that they need to do to the last thing to do before they sit down and have school with us, but they need to have that to to check it off. And there are days when I don't put it out and it's chaos and like their teeth don't get brushed because they're not, they're not on their routine. You know, I'm like, what? you're 10 years old. Why do I have to tell you to brush your teeth? You know, they're like, well, it wasn't on my, on my list. <laughs> it wasn't on my list. <laughs> that's such a, so, I, that's such a Charlie thing. That's such a Charlie <laughs> thing. And like, they'll do it on the weekends because that's their thing, you know, but during the week it's, it's busier. Right. And, yeah. and mornings start quick. Um, but I do, I mean, we're probably the only school because in North Carolina, we had to establish ourselves as, as a school in order to have a homeschool. We're the WNC Academy. It stands for Western North Carolina as, as well as Wesley and Charlotte. Charlotte. That's cute. <laughs> um, I don't remember what I was saying. Lots to do and lists to help you do yeah, it. Yeah. Lots to do and lists right. to do it. I just, I love, I think that's, we always talk about like these podcasts being this, like such a reflective space for Dina and I. And like, I think something you said that really just kind of, I feel like my head's just exploded. And actually Dina, you said it is you schedule yourself so that you can be free. And I struggle with that. And you said it, Jessica, when you were like, if I don't schedule it, I think I work 24 hours a day and I empathize so deeply with that 
thought pattern and that brain cycle. And so when you said, oh, well, if I just, I have an hour tomorrow and then that's it. And then you forget about it. That although I've probably heard it so many times, I feel like my brain just exploded. I feel like it's like, oh my God, (laughs) that's like the answer. And I just, I'm just so grateful for this moment and this podcast, as I say, probably every week and Dina and you and these wonderful women that I get to learn from. And um, as I grow into a mother, which isn't soon, but isn't that far away, I learn things like this. And I learn that, wow, I feel grateful that I'm having this conversation of values before that even happens. And before, you know, listening to you, Jessica and Dina, some of the things you say where that motherhood really, motherhood really changes things. And for you, Jessica, it literally changed your value system. And so to just be having these conversations and absorbing all of this amazing knowledge and power, just so happy. I'm just I'm so happy and optimistic right now. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, she's, you've managed to bottle some. I got <laughs> Transfer it. it. Yes, there you go. I got it. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Yeah, I appreciate so much everything that you've said today. And I am in amazement um, <clears throat> and awe, really, of how much you're able to get done. And, you know, that value of determination and how you've been able to create it and to grow it. And the Special Liberty Project is definitely tapping into a need that these military folks and their spouses and their children need. Um, there's no question about it. And, you know, thank you for all of that. And thank you for sharing that with us. I think that um, we all have a lot to learn from folks like you who, who are just, who just put into practice what yeah. your values are. I mean, yeah. you're, it's not just, oh, these are my values, but you're saying these are my values and this is how I live my values. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to kind of sit back in life and just raise the babies and kind of think about that. Because if I were working still, and if I was in my ocean view office of uh, being a financial advisor and dealing with tons of money and stress and doing something that I didn't really enjoy and, and just kept going on that path. I don't know that I would have, but I, I was lucky enough and we were able as a family for me to take a step back and just kind of figure things out. Um, and I won't say that it was easy. I mean, we were enlisted an enlisted military family and we didn't make a lot of money, you know, living off of one income in Southern California is it's tight, you know? And even when I started working again, we saved every single dollar that I made for the future, for, for where we are right now. Um, and it's just been because I, but, but because I was a financial advisor, we are where we are. You know, we've got this beautiful property all because we were intentional and we lived off of a very small amount of money for a very long time. And, you know, we went camping instead of stayed at a hotel or, you know, we, we saved where we could and, and, I won't say that we're wealthy by any means now, but we are living this dream come true and allowing it's allowing us to share it with others. Mm-hmm. And I've always said, once we get the property, once we get the property, I mean, I've been saying it for years now that I, I want to be able to share it. And I've had numerous opportunities already to be able to invite people into this space and, and serve. 
Well, Jessica, thank you so much for taking this time with us. Again, we just appreciate it. And I'm just honored to be in your life in so many ways. <laughs> and um, yeah, thanks for just being, being a light in a lot of lives. Well, yes, thank, thank you, you for having me. And I'm so, so grateful to spend some time with you. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thank you. Bye, Jessica. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm so glad that you were able to get Jess, Jessica to come today and talk with us. And I'm looking forward to next week's adventure. Absolutely. As always, these are so insightful and I feel like I have a lot of reflecting to do. So I'm excited to see you next week and yep. excited for our listeners to have a new guest. Great. Okay. Thanks. Thanks.